Welcome to Beyond the Call, the podcast for all law enforcement professionals and all those who support them. Sponsored by the National Police Credit Union. We mean police business. I'm your co-host, Ken Bader, with co-host Casey Smith. Casey, how are you? I'm doing well. I am home. I'm in Chicago. The weather is cooperating, so <laughs> I'm enjoying my stay. I am at work, but I am enjoying seeing all my friends and family. Um, how are you? Good, good. Wish I was in Chicago with you. I'll be there uh, in uh, a couple of weeks to uh, do the National Police Credit Union's uh, Police Foundation Leadership Conference. Uh, I have the honor of being the MC. Okay. Uh, for uh, for your program, and I'm really looking forward to it. So uh, I'll be back in my hometown in a few weeks. Um, but uh, I'm excited today too because guess what? We got another great guest. You know, I don't know how we keep coming up with all these great guests, but you know, we keep coming up with them. Uh, we have Bob Thibodeau, uh, and as he admits, he's been around the horn a few times because uh, he has quite a very past, <laughs> and we're going to hear all about it. Uh, he was a U.S. Army enlisted soldier. He was a drill sergeant, uh, commissioned cavalry officer. Uh, he had a uh, successful insurance business uh, for for a time. He's a retired police sergeant, uh, and I could go on and on about his MS at John Hopkins, his own podcast, but let's just get him on the show. Bob Thibodeau, welcome to Be On The Call. Hey, appreciate it. I'm, I'm enjoying it and looking forward to sharing with everyone terrific it's nice to have you yeah well let's jump into it you know we talked a little bit before we started recording uh that you have a a pretty extensive army career you're a 13 year army veteran uh we have a number of listeners that have a military background so please tell us more about your army career sure uh from early high school probably freshman or sophomore in high school all i ever wanted to do is make the army a career uh, I enlisted in September of 1976, just a couple weeks after my senior year school started. And I went active duty 10 days after graduating uh, high school in 1977. And I loved everything about the Army, even basic training. Right. <laughs> I, I learned my job. I was good at it. I was a radar operator uh, with air defense artillery. And uh, my first assignment was up uh, not quite at the DMZ, but in that area of uh, Korea. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I just loved that environment. You know, we actually had a mission to accomplish. And, and because of that, I learned my job quickly. I was good at it. Uh, I ended up getting promoted quickly, usually ahead of my peers. And yeah. uh, met my wife and we got married. We've been married now uh, a couple, I think two more weeks will be our 40. Oh, wow. 41st anniversary. Well, congratulations oh, on that. Troy. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, anyway. Excellent. So um, came back to the States, went back to Korea. Uh, that's a funny story all in itself. I was supposed to go to Germany, and the South Korean president was assassinated in October of 79. Mm. I called oh the, my God. the army up and said, uh, are you sure you can't use me in Korea? I said, you want to go to Korea? Go to your order section at 1 o'clock, pick up your orders. you got to be there in four days. I mean, <laughs> oh my God. Was going on. they thought, you know, this was going to be bad. And uh, so I came right. to my wife, pack up. I'm dropping off my dad's house. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but anyway, we went back to Korea. And uh, 1982, uh, and actually nothing bad happened uh, during that time frame. 
Uh, but I did okay. spend 60 days Thankfully. in a six machine gun bunker. Uh, so that was fun. Okay. But uh, in 1982, uh, I was promoted to sergeant and went to the 8th NCO Academy uh, in Korea. And while there, I was the first person in the history of that academy to achieve a total 100% rating in every category throughout the program. Wow. Uh, this resulted in me being the distinguished graduate. And that made me very popular with the chain of command, you could say. Damn overachiever. For sure. I know. <laughs> Making the rest of them look bad. <laughs> they you know, encouraged me to, to try out for the NCO of the quarter uh, board for my unit, which, you know, that wasn't me. I really didn't want to do it, but they really encouraged it. In other words, you will do this type thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I you got, won. You got, you got voluntold. <laughs> yeah, that's how it was. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, I had another sergeant. Uh, he was about 20 years in at the time. And he was successful at when he was younger uh, at these boards. So he was more or less my mentor getting me ready for the boards. And uh, I won the unit, of course. I won battalion, went to brigade, won that. Then went to I-Corps and won that. And because I won that, that had me competing at the I-Corps for NCO of the Year honors, which I won. Uh, then Ooh. went to the 8th U.S. Army NCO of the Year competition in Seoul. Wow. And during all of this time, you're required to give three to five minute presentations in each of these boards. And that's where I learned how to teach classes and things like that, basically. Uh, but Ooh. I decided to use the latest technology of the day because I figured this Ooh. would just wow them. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's yeah. what I did. I used what is called a slide projector. <laughs> hey, everybody else was using those little overhead things where you lay the transparency down. I was, yes. I even had it. I had a remote, right? It was wired. It was, wow. but it was still cool. I could stand 10 feet away and shift that project. It was awesome. You're right? ahead of your time. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and it worked perfect in every presentation I gave, probably 30 of them if you want to include all the practice sessions. Mm -hmm. But on the final presentation, my projector jammed. Oh. Not much. I just walked up, tapped the side of it like we were talking about with a computer a minute ago. Mm. And right. uh, it reset, <laughs> right? And I just charged on with a presentation. Not a big deal. But mm -hmm. each five board members deducted one point for my score. Oh. What? And I placed in second place, losing to the winner by two points. So, wow. Jeez. So anyway. Unfair. Uh, oh, I know. I, I was, I, I was going to throw a, a flag for, you know, the, the review. But, yeah. Uh, you know. Yeah. Definitely need a review on it. <laughs> but because of that, I applied for and was accepted to drill sergeant school. So we left Korea and, and uh, we did that. And I have to say that was the best three years of my military career. I mean, I got to yell and make people's lives miserable and actually get paid for it. It was an <laughs> awesome time. Right? As a matter of fact, the army paid me extra to do it. I received a drill sergeant status bonus. It was awesome. And, uh, but as I was coming, were you like, oh, were you like the drill sergeant did an officer and a gentleman or a full metal just jacket? Just <laughs> Uh, you guys are probably too young to, to even know about this, but there was a movie that Jack Webb made called The D.I. Mm, and I watched that movie probably a dozen times and patterned myself after the character in Jack Webb. <laughs> so, <laughs> so just give me an idea. I would not have wanted me as my own drill sergeant, let's put it like that. I can understand. <laughs> right. 
But as I was coming to the end of my three years on status, you know, I was looking one day, just reading the Army Times newspaper, I was looking at the pay chart and realized that a captain who had uh, four years prior enlisted time earned at retirement about $400 per month than a sergeant major. Now, as I, I was on track, uh, I would probably, I had no doubt I was going to make sergeant major. But when I was oh, looking yeah. at that, I was like, man, $400 a month, that's like a car payment and stuff. Man. Oh, yeah. And I might, as well, sure. I might as well go for the big bucks, right? So, because right. everybody made captain unless you did something stupid, you know, like get caught <laughs> or something, you know? So I figured, why not? I'm just going to go for it. So during that nine years, I had pieced together an associate's degree. By pieced together, I mean, it's my associate degree was in general studies, right? Mm -hmm. Just to give you an idea. But it was enough to get me, uh, allow me to apply to officer candidate school. And I didn't know, you know, it, the requirement to apply to OCS was you had to have someone outside of your chain, a flag officer outside of your chain command, give you a letter of recommendation. Mm -hmm. uh, that means Colonel or above. Well, I didn't know anybody outside of my team. So one day I was out for a run on post and I seen this uh, brigade commander that I wasn't associated with. I seen his office and his little general flag flying out front. Mm -hmm. So I said, you know what? I'm going to go and ask him, to give me a letter of recommendation. So I just walked in, told the secretary, I'm all sweaty in my PT uniform. <laughs> I walked in and said, I'd like to make an appointment to see the general. And she's like, for what reason? I told her my plan. And uh, the general was standing right behind me when hearing me tell her all this. And he said, you want to do what? <laughs> <You know? laughs> I had no idea. Now I'm like, oh, God. You know? But I turned around, you know, saluted him and told him again. He says, yeah, you know, that, that takes a lot of courage to come here and do something. Like, I'll give, yeah, I'll, I'll interview. I'll give you a letter of recommendation. <laughs> so we made the appointment. I came back. And now when I applied, you know, it's Fulberg colonels who are looking to make general. Uh, I sit down on the board for the OCS selection committee, and here is a letter from a general telling this colonel I would make a good officer, right? Mm -hmm. And my mm -hmm. captain was laughing. He goes, these colonels are like, he's got an associate's degree, pieced together over nine years. Uh, but this general said, if I say <laughs> no, that means I'm telling a general he's wrong. He's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's like, before we knew, he said, I think you're a shoe in for this. And sure enough, I got accepted. Right? <laughs> and uh, so after graduating, the funny thing about OCS, the first week there, I had four merits to my credit, right? which was like unheard of at OCS. But like I said, right. I arrived in that kind of environment. I just loved it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like so it, at, man. Yeah. At commission, I was assigned as a cavalry officer, which I love that too. And excelled mm -hmm. in every evaluation. You know, my platoons were maxing out their evaluations. So life was great. Uh, a real quick summary to be selected to captain, you had to have two, or you had two chances at promotion, and they were six months apart. And I knew I wasn't going to make the first list because I was competing against West Point grads and ROTC grads because my commission to date was June. Right? Mm -hmm. right. But I had it all timed out because I knew I'd never make major because I didn't have the, the college background for that. Uh, but by making the second selection for captain, which would take place at about my 12 and a half year point in the military. Uh, then it took about a year to 18 months to be promoted, which would put me roughly about 14 years. Mm -hmm. Then three to three and a half years for the first selection board to major. Remember, they give you two. But instead of uh, captain is every six months, the majors board once a year. Uh, I knew I wouldn't make that. And when I waited 12 more months for the second major board, I knew I wouldn't make it, but I would be over 18 years in service. And Army Reg said I'd be locked in for retirement because I was over 18. Mm 
So I had it all planned out. It was perfect timing. This was going to be awesome. Unfortunately, in 1998 or 1988, the army decided they had too many people and especially too many officers. So when wow. the promotion list was released in July of 89, I didn't make the cut. My commander called me into his office to give me the bad news. Remember, I wasn't expecting to make it anyway. I figured I'd catch the next mm -hmm. one in six months. Right. And that's why I told him. It was no problem, sir. I got the next one in six months. His reply was, there's not going to be another one in six months. The secretary of the army assigned a waiver. He said, I even called DA to see what we could do. And they said he can go back on enlisted status or get out. Those are the only two char choices. <laughs> and that really rocked my world. Uh, yeah. I can imagine. Just just to share what I did with you right there, that took me over 10 years of dealing yeah. with this. I couldn't even talk wow. about it for years. Yeah. And you know, my only goal in life, other than taking care of my family, had been taken from me in less yeah. than five minutes with no warning whatsoever. And mm -hmm. uh, you know, after leaving the army, you know, that affected me basically like i said for a good 10 years but that's my military and i love the military i still love the military i sure. love everyone who's in it and you know mm -hmm. i tell people you know they ask because i got out in 89 and this is 91 is when the gulf war started if i had gone back mm -hmm. on a list of status i would have recommissioned and, and for the gulf war but you know I, I didn't know all that and i couldn't take the the almost a 40 percent pay cut uh yeah I couldn't do that to my family, so I didn't get out. But the, I tell everyone, I may not have gone over there to fight, but I trained those that did go. And, sure. And that's, you know, that's my military story. Wow. <laughs> well, I, for one, appreciate your service and uh, through all the ups and downs. I mean, that's, that's amazing. That. Now a word from our sponsor, the National Police Credit Union. The National Police Credit Union is pleased to introduce Killed in the Line of Duty Loan Protection, a special debt cancellation benefit created exclusively for active full-time law enforcement officers. Available for multiple loans at no cost to the borrower, this complimentary benefit will cancel up to 850000 of the outstanding balance of one or more loans should the unthinkable happen to an officer due to a line of duty incident. Eligible credit union loans includes mortgages and home equity loans, auto, motorcycle, and boat loans, signature loans, uniform loans, tuition loans, student loan consolidations, and credit cards. Killed in the line of duty loan protection is available only for the qualifying officer, and the protection may not be purchased outright. This debt cancellation benefit only applies in the case of death. Please see loan addendum upon loan closing for more details. And for more information, please go to nationalpolicecu.com. Let's dig into a little bit um, of what you've been doing after you left the Army. So you started your own business, mm -hmm. uh, which you ran for seven years, and then began a career in law enforcement. Can you tell us a little bit about that journey? Okay. Well, uh, like I said, I had no career plans, but the, the military was, that was <laughs> right. it. Right? Yeah. That was it. So, yeah. Uh, when I signed out of the military for the last time, uh, I told my family, I said, we're going to Disney World. You, know, <laughs> you have to understand my, my thinking on that. For those 12 years, I missed birthdays. I missed anniversaries, yeah. you know, yeah. things like that. Because uh, my wife would say, well, we got this planned. You know, I said, sorry, I married the Army before I married you. Yeah. Uh, that was my mm -hmm. mentality, right? So right. I said, okay. I'm going to focus on the family. So I said, kids, 
we're going to Disney World. So we signed out on, I think it was July 25th, and we had reservations in Florida July 27th. Right? Nice. And we spent a week down there and just having fun. If you can mm-hmm. call having fun at Disney World at the end of July fun. It was hot. <laughs> I was going to say, a little sticky. <laughs> little, little, little humid. Just a little bit. <laughs> And on the trip home, uh, yeah, amen. It was hot. Uh, I'm yeah, not, it was it was hot. And, uh, <laughs> it's a different level of hot. Right <laughs> but on the trip home, we we're driving is you know like one o'clock in the morning. So I'm thinking, okay, now what? You know, I have to pay bills. I got to make some money, and I made the decision to contact my life insurance agent because he had sold me some insurance a few years before and it told me, you know, he was into recruiting and training people to sell and helping them make extra money. And if I ever wanted to make some extra money, just to let them know. So I decided, well, this ought to be a quick fix until something else comes along. You know, I had nothing else. Yeah. Cash quick. So as soon as we got home, I called him, made an appointment, went in and told him what was going on and that I was willing to sign up. And I found out mm-hmm. I was good at it. Uh, within two years, I had my own agency. Uh, within five years of starting this, I, my agency was the number two producing agency in the company uh, wow. for, mm-hmm. we were contracted with on a nationwide basis. Uh, I had wow. opened up my own office. I had 12 agents out in the field. I had four office staff. Uh, life was good. Everything was going yeah. great. Uh, mm-hmm. And then the home office in the summer of 1995, the home office was sold to another company. And this company, without going into detail, uh, was notorious for buying insurance companies and then dumping all of their expenses into the new company while maximizing their profits of the home company. Mm -hmm. Uh, In order to do that with the company I was with, they canceled all of the agent's contracts. Uh, They offered to recontract with us, but it was uh, at a way reduced rate. Uh, Like like a 95% contract as a general agent, and they were going to put me at an 80, right? And uh, the other agents that were like an 85 contract were down to a 60. I mean, it was mm-hmm. serious, serious pay cuts. Uh, so needless to say, I told them what they could do with it. But, uh, <laughs> you know, and I tried some other companies, uh, but it just, it already left a bad taste in my mouth. Sure. Some of my agents were upset and they just totally left the business. And within about four or five months of that happening, uh, I had to close the office. And I've never sold insurance again. Uh, it just, you know, I tried a couple of times, but I, I, I may have sold one policy. I, it just, it just had a bad taste in my mouth. I was no longer, my heart wasn't in it. Yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, you weren't passionate about it anymore. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. To this, to this point in the story, you're like Job, man. Stuff just happened. Absolutely. Yeah, I bounced around after that from job. I was a security guard. I did telemarketing for like two weeks. Didn't like that. Uh, mm. you know, uh, but at this point in time, you know, I, I did get a job working with the Red Cross, uh, mm-hmm. as an office, mm-hmm. uh, not an office manager, but like the assistant to the office manager. And that was a good couple of years because I learned a lot about, uh, you know, payroll and, you know, nonprofits and boards mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, while all that was going on uh january 92 i did get born again you know prior to all this time i have to say this in my defense now uh, as a drill sergeant and all that i was not born again okay <laughs> okay yes so, let me, let me sure clarify that. <laughs> yeah. 
but uh, but anyway, you know, I was born again, and at, at that point in time, that's when things started changing a little bit. And while I was with the Red Cross, that's when I decided, you know, I'm I'm called into the ministry, and mm-hmm. you know, everybody thinks, well, that means you got to go to school, you got to open a church, got to be a pastor, and that's what I thought at the time as well. Uh, but uh, ninety eight, ninety nine, we moved up to. Uh, Fort Worth, Texas, and I attended Bible school up there. And mm-hmm. I said, I, you know, worked hard. Uh, I went to school. You know, the school session was from 8 a.m. to 1:30 p.m. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, I had two jobs that I worked every day, two part-time jobs. Well, one part-time, one full-time. And I survived Bible school on about an hour and a half to two hours sleep a day. Wow. Oh goodness. I would go to school, come home at 1:30, take a, you know, go to sleep. From 1.30 to 3.30, work at Domino's Pizza from 4 to 9, come home, take a shower, <clears throat> go as a security guard all night from 9 to 6 o'clock. Well, I had to be there at 10, 10 to 6 o'clock in the morning, come yeah. home, take a shower, go back to school. And that was yeah. my life. Wow. Uh, wow. So, Quite it, the sacrifice. It, yeah, you never fell asleep during that security job, did you, Rob? I'm sorry, we got audio problems. Yeah, <laughs> you broke up there, Ken. He didn't hear that. Part. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That, that, it's interesting how that happens sometimes. But uh, but let's 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 segue. You know, it is beyond the call. So it, you you definitely that's a beyond the call story right there. Um, but let's segue into your law enforcement career. You bet. With, uh, right. uh, I know sticking with the Job theme, you know, that wasn't exactly <laughs> smooth. I understand you, you may have had an injury or two and yeah. uh, I'm sure there are more than a few members of our audience who can relate to that. So yeah. tell us more about your law enforcement experience. You bet. Well, uh, during this time frame, 2001, we moved to Baltimore, Maryland. Mm-hmm. And uh, my daughter had married a, a GI, and he was from here. And when after Bible school and all that, I was like, well, what are we going to do? And I bounced around job to job a little bit. And she said, Dad, just come out out here. There's lots of jobs out here. So I said, okay. I came out. And sure enough, I got a job with him about a week of being here. But during this time frame, you know, I was just like, well, let me open a church because I couldn't find one that I really liked. So we opened up our own church while I was working. Uh, I won't even mention the company, but it was a popular company and I was paying the bills, but I'd also applied to the police Academy mm-hmm. and I, they had one police Academy class per year. And because of my age, because of my background, with all these different jobs and they want to know everything. We want to know every address you have ever lived. Right? We want to know, <laughs> You know, who your boss was, every job you've ever had. I, I got 12 years of jobs in the Army that I had to go back. Now, luckily, I keep really good records. I go back sure. and count every unit and when I was there and all that. But when I submitted my packet, <clears throat> they didn't have enough time to process the background check before that first academy class. So uh, I think I applied in February or March, and the academy class started in July. Right? Mm-hmm. So, so I had an entire year. So I'm continuing to work, and, and then I got a call in May of 2004 that said, uh, are you still interested? I said, oh, absolutely. Because you know, my uncle was a cop. He retired as a cop, and so it's kind of in the blood a little bit. So I said, you know, and it's a paramilitary organization, so I knew I'd thrive mm-hmm. in it. And uh, so they said, okay, uh, your class starts on this date. So I went in, quit my job, and, and went to the academy. I was 45 years old at the academy. And, wow! Uh, you know, awesome. Forty-five years through, young. <laughs> right. That's right. 
But I had been, you know, through basic training. At drill sergeant school, you actually go through basic training three times. One, to prove you can do it. Two, they teach you how to teach it. Three, you prove to them you know how to teach it. Mm-hmm. And then OCS, right? So this was like the fifth time, I think, uh, you know, oh, don't, not even counting the NCO Academy one where they yell at, you know what? So I was, you know, I was ready for this. And mm-hmm. at day one at the Academy, you know, they got people yelling, they're, you know, sweating and they're passing out and, you know, some are trembling, some are crying and I'm just locked in position of attention, focused on a spot on the wall. And they're doing their best to distract me. And I'm just answering, sir, yes, sir, sir, no, sir, and all that. And uh, one instructor comes up and, and says, what retirement home did you escape out of? You know? <laughs> <laughs> that almost broke my military integrity. I almost started laughing. It was so funny. But uh, I just locked in, and they went on to someone else. And the senior instructor came up, and he leaned in and says, you prior military? Goes, sir, yes, sir. He goes, that's what I, I, I could tell. He said, you're not going to have a problem at all with this. And... Later that day, uh, they called me in. As the class was getting ready to dismiss day one, they came in and said, uh, Thibodeau, I stood up. He goes, you're the class leader. Oh, man. I, I, wanted, I just wanted to smile, you know. So, Take over to class, see you all in the morning. So I said, all right, who here has prior military service as an NCO? And some hands shot up. I said, first squad, second squad, third squad, fourth squad. <laughs> That's how I picked the leaders. And then, you know, I was, uh, it was the whole class. I, because of my training background, I could tell when, thing, when they were setting us up for failure, I guess you could say, because it's part yeah. of the And I'd let the class know, okay, now be sure you're on time in the morning. We're going to have a hard time, da-da-da-da. And sure enough, there it was. And after that, they all said, what else is happening? What else is happening? This has been Beyond the Call with Robert Thibodeau, part one. Please join us next week for Beyond the Call with Robert Thibodeau, part two. In the meantime, to listen to past episodes of Beyond the Call, please go to your favorite podcast platform. We can be found on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Anchor, and many more. We also have a video version available on bingenetworks.tv. And of course, go to nationalpolicecu.com to learn more about our sponsor, the National Police Credit Union, and the vast array of services they offer to law enforcement families.